felt like we were in almost every game this year, and um, we just didn't manage to um, get that goal when we needed a goal. And um, I mean, same tonight, I have a wide open net, and you know, Barry just gets a stick on it last second and, um, and misses. So kind of disappointed, you know. It's I mean, if you take you know half the half the um, OT losses we've lost this year, shootout, and uh, you know we're in by by a few points. So uh, it's probably the the most disappointing that we've been in, you know, almost every game, and um, and that we just didn't manage to um, you know rack a few wins together more often. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think we've won three, four in a row since what we we didn't now a couple of weeks ago, but before that it was what since December. So um, you know, it's uh, in so many games. So you got you got to rack up wins, um, wins consecutively. Oh, sorry, and um, we didn't manage to do that. And um, but yeah, as I said, the most disappointing is probably it's just that we've been in we've been in so many games, and uh, this is kind of um, you know it's, it's kind of the same feeling after. It feels like most of the nights, you know, what if, what if, and. Um, and it's a, it's a do league. It's not a what-if league. That's a great line by Rasmus Anderson. Uh, here's another one. Ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. A, uh, a disappointing end to the season for the Calgary Flames last night. They fall to the Nashville Predators in a shootout. We're going to talk plenty about the Flames today, so get comfortable. Um, and, you know, that was some... Uh, of all the people that we heard post-game last night, whether it was Daryl Sutter or any combination of the players, I think that Rasmus Anderson probably said it best. Um, and there's, a, there's a, a little bit of information that we should probably share as well about this year's edition of the Calgary Flames um, because there's going to be some tough decisions that need to be made. Um, but before we get there, I, I want to tell you a little story. This is a few years ago... I was texting with a general manager. His team had bowed out of um, bowed out of the playoffs early, and we were talking about the team's underlying numbers. And this was good, and we got killed on this. But you know, this is promising, and this looks good, and you know, everything. You know, uh, all the underlying numbers, all the under the surface numbers looked really good. Um, and there's no need for alarm and no need for concern. It's been a steady pattern. And it's going to turn around eventually. Um, these things work out, and the the text exchange stopped when he said something to the effect of, you know what, all this is fine and good and none of this is wrong, but at a certain point, those numbers become meaningless because real life begins and real games begin. And this is the uh, the league of wins and losses. And now it's a league about questions and answers. And one of the questions on the show today is what to do next if you're the Calgary Flames. Now, there are some immediate decisions. There are some decisions that are coming up quickly. And the big one is the general manager who's, uh, whose contract is poised to expire. What happens with Brad Treliving here? Um, that is decision number one. There are UFAs to deal with here, whether it's Milan Lucic, whether it's Trevor Lewis or Nick Ritchie or Troy Stetcher or Michael Stone. Stone seems to be happy, by the way, just to do evergreens um, with the uh, with the Calgary Flames, just the one year after one year after one year after one year uh, deal because A, he loves playing, and B, uh, they love having him. So you look at the um, you look at the season that was for the Calgary Flames, and on the one hand, when you go out the way the Flames did after the season that they had, where it was 
false start after false start. And we all know the overtime and shootout record for Calgary. Awful. Um, terrible. But this was false start after false start. So I know a lot of Calgary Flames fans want to do the um, blow it up real good and start all over again. And I can listen to some of that because there's a lot of expiring contracts, not just this season, but more profoundly next season. Uh, when deals with Toffoli and Lindholm and Coleman and Hannafin and Tanev and Zadorov, or they're all like those are all up at the end of next season. We talked about this with the Winnipeg Jets. You know, they got a lot of expiring contracts, not this season, but next season. Is this the last hurrah for this team? And do you need to start moving to get value for the next edition, maybe next edition of the Calgary Flames? Um, But you looked at this season and you said, at least I did, this was some really good work by Brad Treliving in the offseason. We all know the Johnny Gaudreau situation. That one stung. Teams have been stung by those decisions before. You think the player is going to be coming back. And then that player changes his mind. Um, Ask David Poyle about that with Ryan Suter with the Nashville Predators. It's always a gamble until you have a signature on the line that is dotted. But Goudreau leaves, Kachuk trade, Goodbranson goes. One of the things, too, um, because he was dealing with his own issues, uh, no Oliver Shillington uh, this season for the Calgary Flames, I don't think we can pronounce that more definitively as one of the reasons why this team took a step backwards. But they brought in players that should have replaced the players that went out, uh, namely Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, and Nazem Kadri. Now, when you look at this edition of the Calgary Flames, to my previous conversation and a text exchange with the manager who said, you're right about the underlying numbers, but at a certain point, life begins, and it's no longer just theoretical. Um, you know what? When you look at underlying numbers like expected goals, Calgary's top five in the NHL. When you have a look at, you know, uh, Corsi 4 for the, uh, for the Calgary Flames, again, it's top five in the NHL. When you look at what's referred to as the PDO, which is a combination of save percentage and shooting percentage for the Calgary Flames, it's awful. So before you make any knee-jerk reactions about what's going to happen here with the Calgary Flames, and sometimes I do this, and maybe it's too simple, and sometimes it's on the mark. What I wonder about with Calgary is, did they just get bad goaltending? We'll start the program here. Welcome to the Merrick Show. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You know, the opposite of bad goaltending with what we've seen this season and specifically last night from the Nashville Predators starting netminder, UC Soros. As much as we're focusing on this because this is a Canadian-based property, focusing on the Calgary Flames side of what happened last night against Nashville, um, there's some great stories from Nashville right now. And much like we're talking about the Buffalo Sabres in the East, Nashville's hanging around. <laughs> Nashville um, has not has not been tucked away and, and put to bed yet. They are still scrapping, despite the fact uh, that their general manager, you know, essentially said nothing is nailed down here. Um, what would you like? We're open for business. They're still in the playoff picture, front and center. UC Soros and. How about that move by Tommy Novak yesterday in the uh, shootout? He's been a real bright spot uh, for the Predators this season. And just to uh, to catch up, uh, the Winnipeg Jets winning 6-2 against the San Jose Sharks. Of note there, Eric Carlson with a pair of goals. Um, 100 points uh, hasn't happened for a defenseman in 31 years. We have to go all the way back to Brian Leach, only the sixth defenseman in NHL history to hit the century mark. And he does so at the age, checks notes, of 32. We've talked a lot about the Norris and what happens if Eric Carlson hits the century mark. Well, 
He's there. Uh, Elliot Friedman joins me now from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, as he does each and every program. I want to I wanna bracket the conversation about the Calgary Flames for, for one brief second. Um, Ten games on the go around the NHL this evening, and I think a lot of us are wondering about the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning, mainly who's going to play net tonight. I mean, there's the idea of you need to protect Samson off for the players. You don't want them going back-to-back. There's, you know, seems to be always, quote-unquote, something with Samsonov, and you don't want to tempt fate here when we're talking about hospital bracelets and time off this close to the playoffs. What do you think happens tonight in net for the Maple Leafs, Elliot? Do you have a thought on this one? I do, because there have been some wild rumors floating around today. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Samsonov is playing, and I think uh, everybody kind of understands that. Um, look, like... I'm with you. There's, there's, you're locked in. You've got home ice advantage. Matt Murray's health is a question. Um, yeah. You know, there's no like nobody can argue with the Maple Leafs not playing Ilya Samsonov tonight. It is a, it is a, it is an argument so bad to make that they should play him, Jeff. That I would think you would be the yeah. only guy who would make it. So I, hey, like, I think hey, that. Hey, hey. So I don't, I don't think he's playing. Now, the question is, if he's not playing, who is? I, I don't know at this point that they've been granted the emergency exception. Uh, we can talk about this again in a second, Jeff. I think there's something going on LTIR-wise around the league uh, right now. Uh, so it's a secondary story. But, um, like, I, I heard some rumors it might be Chenard, but it was brought to my attention that, an ATO is only good for one game. So if they wanted to play him for argument's sake, they, mm-hmm. you know, they probably have to, they have to sign him and they, they can't do anything like that right now. Now <laughs> it, I was told, and I wasn't there on Sunday, we were in Ottawa together, but apparently the Leafs had like five goalies on the ice on Sunday. And a bunch of them were guys that nobody really knew. So I'm wondering if, in preparation for this, we get the mystery goalie tonight. You know what this is, Elliot? Hang on. Bracket. The, hang on. Pause this for a second. You know what this is? This has become now? This What's has become that? a reality show. This has become like the hockey bachelor. The hockey goalie bachelor. Which goal? What was, the, what the, was the hockey reality show of a few years ago? Oh, making the cut. I went making out Making the that. cut. This is you know who this is me? the NHL version of making the cut. Now I, I do want to say this before yeah. we make too much fun of it. I do think the one thing that came up yesterday was the Maple Leafs played Samsonov in the game that affected the playoffs. I, I think that was something that came yes. up, and they said if we're going to play Samsonov, we have to play him in this one because it mattered. Like the one tonight, it doesn't matter. That's the series that's locked in, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna punt mm-hmm. one, it's gonna be this one, and plus it's the team you're playing in the first round. Why let them play Samsonov? If if you're gonna punt it, this is the one you punt. But I yeah. I I think that they felt it was important to play Samsonov last night. That game was of mortal significance to the Panthers, the Islanders, and the Penguins, and Sabers, and uh, and they chose to play him in that one. And and basically, he might have saved a couple of teams' season, like. The delicious irony is Tavares saving the Islanders' season 
But Samsonov obviously <laughs> played a huge role in all of that, too. Yeah. But tonight, with no playoff yes. races unaffected by this game, if you're going to do it, it's going to be yeah. tonight. But I, you know, I would be I'm, stunned uh, if Samsonov is playing, and I'm not convinced they're going to be able to use Wall. So this, we could get something really unique and different tonight. Uh, we really could, and that is interesting about about Nick Chenard. No, one interesting thing, and this is like. We're going deep, deep, deep hockey geek on this one. You, re- I've dropped some goofy stuff on you before, Fridge. You ready for this one? Yeah. So Dale DeGray, Dale DeGray is the general manager of the Owen Sound Attack. Dale DeGray is a former longtime professional, played his junior hockey with the Oshawa Generals, and uh, amongst other teams, played and patrolled the blue line for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, when he played for the Maple Leafs, he wore number three. But when he played his first exhibition games, he wore number... 40, and that's the number mm. they gave Nick Chenard yesterday to wear. I don't know if that was deliberate because someone's really got to mm. know their hockey history because Dale is, of course, the general manager of the Owen Sound Attack. Nick Chenard played with the Owen Sound Attack. He's wearing 40 yesterday. Is it just a coincidence? Maybe, but if so, it's a pretty juicy one because Dale DeGray wore number 40 in his exhibition games with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Here endeth the geek talk, although I will add one more thing about this discussion. You know, mm-hmm. given this story, you know who the most nervous member of the Toronto Maple Leafs alumni is today? Who's that? Daryl Sittler. Well, you, he you're predicting that some Lightning points, player is going to set the record with 10 <laughs> points tonight? It's bold. All I'm saying is if they're if they're going deep, deep, deep into the goalie bin here, uh, is there a chance? Is there a chance that there's another Dave Reese? Uh, and that's an old-time pull from that Boston Bruins game. Is there another Dave Reese waiting? And if so, uh, the juicy Iowa juicy ironies with John Tavares. Uh, could someone out there from Tampa, perhaps Kucherov, Stamkos, we're looking your direction, um, break the 10-point Daryl Sittler record, dare I say it, against the Maple Leafs? Park you know, I think the other thing, Jeff, that we should talk about here is obviously this, like, this this is going to increase discussion on this whole ATO situation. Um, you know, yes, as, you know, Chris Weidman had the comments on uh, on Saturday night, and while I personally disagreed with him and uh, thought it was a nice moment in that particular case, I think now that it's stretching out into two or th- like I think there's a difference between it happening once and it happening two or three times. And I think the more that this goes on and the longer that this goes on, and especially if that game on Thursday in any way, like the Rangers can still move. Carolina's slump has, has thrown all of a sudden, you know, that, that situation yeah. in, the, in the Metro into question. Like I, like I do think that the more these games get uh, meaningful or the longer this goes on, there's gonna, I think more people are going to swing to the side of this is a ridiculous thing that's happening. And, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people over the last couple of days since this really started happening. And I think that, I, I think everybody understood why Wall wasn't allowed to play last night, that Toronto made the decision yep. to sign Nyes, and it was important to them. And by the fact they had all those goalies at the practice on Sunday, they knew that this was a possibility. Like, Pridham... Brandon Pridham, their AGM, he basically wrote the CBA. There's no way that the possibility of this was a surprise to them. 
So there were a bunch of teams that were not sympathetic. Now, today, I think it's going to be really interesting to see exactly where this all goes. But what a couple of the teams did tell me is that there's something going on with LTIR around the league. Like, like as in last year, there was a big fight about it, and it was decided that mm-hmm. it couldn't go anywhere, that there wasn't much they could do. But now people are getting mad about it again. And again, the calls are coming. We have to be more strict. And I, and I think that what the, how the Maple Leafs handled it and now what's going on with Mark Stone in Vegas, and like you know me, Jeff, I'm like, hey, Pandora's box was open years ago. Like you, you can't go backwards unless you it's all fine. change it together. Yep. Like I would manipulate the rule. If I was a GM, I would manipulate every rule the best I could. I just think that uh, I think what's happening here this week, a couple of teams have, have told me is a sign that it's getting tense around the LTIR stuff again. And there are, they're going to be like one GM told me, and I don't know, like, I don't know if this is even possible that there's some teams who believe that you should be cap compliant on a per game basis in the playoffs. Like you're Roth, like the 20 people you dress in the playoffs should be able to fit under yeah. the cap. Now, I don't even know if that's possible, but like, I, I do think these kinds of, like, I do think there's a lot of grumbling about it. And that's why this has become a flashpoint. Now this would take a reopening of the CBA though, Elliot. I don't like, like the, the whole thing like is, if they, is if, that, they, if, 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 if they want, if they want to do anything about it, and there's a newly installed executive director for the NHL Players Association, um, is this something that these two sides want to want to scrap about? Yeah, I haven't gone no that no far no, yet. No one's. I yeah, haven't gone they, that they, far well, yet because no. because someone said to me, Jeff, if you would look, and again, on this one, I'm this this is always a smart thing to do: go on radio without really looking at it. But someone told me that there's no specific language in the CBA about what's yeah. happening in the playoffs. Yep. So you could always say we're right. changing um, our interpretation, but who knows? Yes, that's right. What my client was trying to say, Your Honor, this is going to be like the uh, the uh, oh, you know what this would be like? This would be the, like them changing the um, uh, the Marty the, the um, uh, interference rule in front of the net that you can't turn around to screen a goaltender. And they didn't say it was a rule change. It was just like a different interpretation of the Sean Avery, Marty Berdour rule. Essentially, that would be what you're talking about. Hold on. Hold on to this conversation because I want to spend some time here because it really is the big outside of this. It it is a big story of the day. And and that's, you know, what's next for the Calgary Flames? Um, Felt bad for a lot of people last night. Felt great for a lot of people in Nashville who were surprised. They're still in this thing and they're still alive, albeit, you know, barely on life support here. You know, don't kick the plug out of the wall just yet. Uh, there's yeah. still life in the Nashville Predators. Um, tough loss, shootout style. We all know their record in, in overtime and shootout. Um, that story has been well told. But what happens in your estimation now? I, I mentioned off the top that the first decision is who's going to make the decision. And yeah. is it going to be Brad Living or is it going to be someone else considering his contract is expiring? Is that job number one or priority number one, you think, of this organization? Yeah. I do think that uh, I do think that that is going to be a big one to figure out. Um, you know, I, I think at some point this year the decision was made to punt that until after Calgary's season was over. 
Like, like I do think that there's been there were contract extension uh, talks uh, earlier in the year. I think the Calgary Flames have made it very clear that they would like uh, Tree Living to return. Um, and but I just think that it reached a point in the year where the decision was made to punt it till the till the season was over. And now we're here. So like I, like I think you know people have decisions to make, and and I think that's kind of where we are. Um, at this point in time, I, like as of yesterday, I have no reason to believe that the Flames didn't want him back. Um, I just think that this has been a really stressful year, and everybody called a timeout, and that's kind of you know where we are. Well, now the timeout's over. It's 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 time to make some decisions. So I assume we're going to get some clarity on that in the in, in the next in the next little while. Um, you know, I, I think this thing is uh, one of the things I really think about the flames. And someone told me this the other day, the number one thing they've got to fix there is that this year there were too many distractions. And I think that's what they're going to tackle is how do we, how do we end that? How do we get the focus back on where we need to be? And, I think that's going to be uh, the. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things that they're going to do in the off season. And like, if you look at their roster and see who's up after next year, um, they oh, yeah. they have to sort that. I went out. down. The, I went through the names. I went yeah. through the names off the top of the show. It's Defoe, so, Lindholm, Coleman, Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov. You know what? What someone said to me was like, like they went through so many distractions this year on and off the ice. You can't have a setup next year where that is looming over you all season. So I think you're right. Tree living is probably the first thing they've got to sort out. And the second thing is who's coming and who's staying. And I, cause, mm-hmm. cause that's the, that's one of the things I've been like Markstrom, obviously figuring him out is going to be a big one. Although he played better at the end for sure. Um, but I, I just believe that the, the thing in, in all my conversations with people around there or connected to the team, it's all been about there was too much focus this year on things that took away from the games, and they have to sort that out. You know, the, the, um, it, it's in, uh, listen, I, I think we're all on the same page about the goaltending, and that's something that needs to get straightened out. And, you know, I played the clip of um, Rasmus Anderson off the top where he talked about, you know, their, you know, their, their overtime and, and shootout record and only if they would have, you know, cut those in half. Yeah. Like, I just can't help but wondering, because I, I know that the instinct right away when you have as disappointing a season as the Calgary Flames just had, the quick reaction, certainly from the fan base, is this is no good, blow it all up. This is awful. This guy's got to go. That guy's got to go. Bring in prospects, younger kids, youth movement, all of it. Like that's, that's natural. We, we see that all the time. And that's not what people like Brad Treliving are paid to do, to react to that. They're you know, paid to have a, a sober look at this thing and say, okay, what are the guts of the team and what really happened out there? Were there those distractions? Of course there were, absolutely. Some of them were self-inflicted. We think of some you know, quite famous you know, uh, Daryl Sutter press conferences that added logs onto that fire. But I look at things, like this has been pointed out in a couple of different places. When you look at some of the underlying numbers for the Calgary Flames this season, whether it was expected goals, 
whether we make it new coffee. Um, um, not just not just expected goals, but also things like your Corsi percentage. All these types of numbers were pretty good. Like actually, some of them were really good, like top five good. Maybe the biggest problem here is just what you mentioned, and that is they just need to fix the goaltending. Like the shooting percentage is going to come around. That always does. They had a string of bad luck. They lost a lot of games and what some people call are the coin flip times, which is overtime and specifically shootout. Maybe the worst thing they can do, Elliot, is overreact to all of this. Well, I, I think the thing is, and Justin Bourne was one of the guys who did some pretty incredible work on it, there's a real debate that the quality of their chances wasn't very good. And I think the other thing they have to decide is, like, the way Sutter coaches, and, like, in terms of tactics and stuff, I think he's a very good coach. Um, does it fit the personnel that they have? I think the other thing, too, is, you know, Walker Dewar, he carved out a spot on their team. Sure but, did. look, Coronado... Like, I don't know if Coronado's going to start the year in the NHL next year. I think Pelche should. But, you know, like, those, like those guys, they, they have to understand that they're going to have roles there. And the other one I think that's going to be really interesting is Dustin Wolf. Like, that guy has no business being in the AHL next year. Maybe he's the guy who, who solves your goaltending problem. But, like, they have to find a spot for him. I, I think the thing that's going to come up here is... Um, you know, like you look at this, they're going to have to find like an, like a way to solve that overtime shootout problem. But like last night, I know there was a lot of debate about Nick Ritchie. Like, have you looked through the history of some of the Calgary flames in the shootout? Like, like I was like, like Mm -hmm. Toffoli is like two for 17, although he's one for two this year. Um, Lindholm was like two for 13. Like when I heard Daryl's explanation that Ritchie scored this year, against Nashville, like, it's not as bad as I thought, but I still wonder about the whole idea of you go down with your best scorers not trying. Like, actually, the guy who I thought should have gone in the shootout last night was Rasmus Anderson because he's been one of the best flames in the shootout this year. He's had a couple of goals. But, like, like I think that the tough thing is, like, people watch that and they say – in the biggest game of the year, is it like, is it, do you, do you, do you end your season with your best offensive players, not, not shooting even if what they're, even if their numbers are bad. I, I like, I, I think like the, when I listened to what Sutter had to say, and I looked at the numbers, I thought his position was defensible, but I was wondering where Anderson was And I still wonder about the overall picture. And because of the way that it's gone in Calgary this year, I think people kind of look at it and saying, is he sending a message to some of his best players? Like you aren't, Hmm. and and how are the best players going to react to that? Like it's, there's a lot to unpack in in that particular thing, but I think this is an example of the kinds of things that Calgary has got to fix. Like there's got to be less talk on that and more focused on winning the games. Like, I, I think the players at the end of the year, like, there was a meeting after that L.A. game where, like, they said, okay, everybody, like, just shut up and play. And I think that's what they all want to get back to, kind of. So if I'm reading in between the lines of what you're saying here is um, Brad Treliving, and if it's not Brad Treliving, whomever the next general manager is, 
in the offseason. They've got to get UC Jokinen out of retirement as a shootout <laughs> specialist and plunk him on the bench. Am I, am I reading well, you, you know, correctly here, Fridge? Is that the guy? There were, there, there were situations like that. Like I, like, I have to go through this, but um, I remember Pittsburgh. Remember Eric Christensen, who was a big scorer in the Western Hockey League? Of course. Yeah, Pittsburgh uh, kept Atlanta him Thrashers around because of, the, the of how trade. good he was in the yeah. shootouts. Yeah, like uh, Jokin yep. is a perfect example. But Eric Christensen was a guy whose career was helped by the shootout. Like I, I remember, I, I can't remember if it was if it was one of the times that Quinn was the coach, but one of the Leafs players told me one year that they missed the playoffs because of how bad they were in the shootout. And like late in the year, they all kind of woke up and said, "We all hate this, but we." We better have somebody who's good at it. And then he also got mad at Kyle Wellwood for going between his legs on a shot. <laughs> Once <laughs> as well. <laughs> so I was like, well, you kind of get the spirit of the thing here. Um, real quick before I let you go, you have a thought on what we, uh, what we saw in the East yesterday. Tough one for the Panthers to, to squander that point. Uh, the Islanders lose to so the Washington Capitals 5-2. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres squeak by the New York Rangers 3-2. And the Pittsburgh Penguins sit idly by saying, we've got a real shot here. All we need to do is win two games against teams that aren't in the playoffs. You know, we could have maximum carnage. I know. Maximum carnage. You know, and, and that's the thing. Like, Pittsburgh, if you can't beat Chicago and Columbus with your season on the line, you don't, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. You're not oh, wrong. You there? Yeah. You're not wrong. This, this, you're, 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 you're not wrong, and this is why every single day Every single day this week uh, is going to be a wild one. And tonight it's, you know, New Jersey and Buffalo. And tonight it's Pittsburgh and Chicago. Um, This is going to be real wild here uh, in the Eastern Conference. Last night was wild in the West. All right, uh, we got to wrap. Thanks as always, uh, Mr. Friedman. Uh, You are free. You are released to enjoy this lovely day in southwestern Ontario. And we'll talk to you in uh, in 23 and a half hours. How does that sound? Lovely day to write. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy. Do it outside, man. Give yourself some good mental energy. Uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts. Um, and hockey night in Canada as well. You know the uh, the Markstrom thing is a, is a really unique situation. Like I'm of the mind that that is as much as we want to focus on the shootout and the overtime, and that's the reason for the for the Flames. Man, I don't want to say that one team broke another player, but I don't know whether. Again, it's just anecdotal, but he hasn't been the same since the Oilers series. I know I've made this point a couple of different times this season on the show, but can you honestly say with a straight face that um, that Jacob Markstrom has been the same goaltender since the Oilers series last year? I don't see the same guy. That, to me, Brad Treliving is job number one. What's happening with the general manager? Job number two is what do we do about the goaltending here? And can we get, you know, can we get Jacob Markstrom back to that spot where he was, you know, a cozy five minutes ago, the runner-up of the Vesna Trophy. Get that guy back, things are different for the Calgary Flames this season. And we've said it before, it's amazing how much good goaltending is, uh, is the best perfume in a lot of ways, and it erases a lot of a team's mistakes. Uh, okay, coming up on the program today, thanks so much for, for joining me today. Always uh, appreciate it. Aaron Ambrose is going to stop by. Uh, Team Canada defenseman uh, thriller last night in Brampton, uh, the Women's World Championships. Uh, Jamie Lee Rattray. 
uh, who just signed with Cortex, by the way, uh, with the uh, the she was the shootout hero. She got the winner. Uh, they did blow a two gold lead late. Canada did uh, another like great installment of the rivalry between Canada and the United States. Uh, Ryan Novozinski from NewJersey.com, NJ.com. Uh, Luke Hughes is playing tonight for the New Jersey Devils. And joining me next uh, to talk about the Seattle Kraken and all the wonderful things that have gone on there this year, uh, Kraken studio analyst and part of the Too Many Men podcast. She is Allison Lucan, uh, no stranger to this broadcast. She joins me in a couple of moments. We're talking Kraken as the Calgary Flames, the latest Canadian team to say bye-bye to the playoffs. Allison Lucan joins me in a couple of moments. Merrick's show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 3. 360 and Sportsnet Now. Keep it here.